Welcome to Help From Future Self. How you doing, Archons? Welcome to yet another episode of Help From Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast hosted by and hopefully listened to by Keyforge pals all around the world. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. You may also know me as Alex, and I am joined, as always, by the inimitable, the wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, how we doing? And we call him Coach. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's the haps, Blake? Hey, what's going on, everyone? My goodness, it never stops in the world of Keyforge. Um, the internet was set on fire today with the revelation that the long-rumored, long-hinted-at Fuzzy Gruen plushies were going to be available at PAX Unplugged for a princely sum of 200 Amber Shards. I got to get me one. Did you guys see these online today? Oh, yeah. I, I did. I'm actually, I'm 17 Amber Shards short. I actually have an open offer right now to anybody who's going to be there. Hit me up on Twitter if you're going to have the capacity to grab one of these for me, and I will give you my QR code, and you can spend whatever else is on my account, like the extra 120, 130 shards on stuff for yourself if you get one of those and send it to me. Because I got love for every Gruen, and I got to show my <laughs> love with uh, lots of uh, photo shoots that I'll take uh, using said plushie. Yeah, I um I love the the story that was told on Twitter with them kind of uh, coming out of the box and starting to invade Philadelphia. It was pretty cool. Of course, Gruens aren't the only exciting thing happening in the world of Keyforge for us here at Help From Future Self. We had a store championships at Rain City Games here in Vancouver this past weekend. Format, dual survival sealed, and we got to play a very interesting variation on it because we were playing one deck from Worlds Collide one deck from the Age of Ascension. I wanted to ask you, Blake, what was your experience playing that format with the two sets? I actually really liked it. I was um, I was initially bummed that we were not getting two Worlds Collide decks, but then when I thought about it getting to play the two different uh, sealed metas against one another, um, I found it very interesting because there are there is the, the theory out there that AOA performs a little bit better against Worlds Collide. And uh, I saw evidence to both support and not support that. So I think it's deck dependent as is everything with Keyforge. But it was a lot of fun, without a doubt. Rick, did you have fun trying that? Oh, I did. I didn't actually get a good chance to look at my AOA, even though I, I did know it was spice. Didn't exactly learn until after the event just exactly how spicy it is. So here's the thing. Um, I think that the key decision in this, and it's the key decision that I had to contemplate before I got knocked out after two rounds, was do you start with your AOA deck and then fall back to Worlds Collide or vice versa? Most people seem to start with their Worlds Collide because they wanted to go with what they thought was going to be probably more obviously the heat. Blake, you did something different. You started with AOA. What was behind your decision there? A mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so so like i just assumed that my my world's collide deck was better and it wasn't my aoa deck was way better and i led with it and i just was punishing people um i basically did back-to-back -back losses because i went deep um into the tournament i finished fifth and i ended up going deep and having to go against uh, our good friend jonathan and his deck was just really good and it went right down to the wire. But my Worlds Collide deck just was like, it was kind of meh. And it, it like, it looked cool, but it was actually one of those things where the cards that make it look cool were actually provided something that hindered it. And it had two of the, the Xenos Blood Shadow, which is the uh, Untamed card that comes with a toad because it's so powerful. So I had two toads and I had two Vine Apple Trees, which was kind of cool. But the deck itself was like, it's not that great. And my... AOA deck was like incredibly bursty, like no Ember control, but I had one game where I think I generated um, 
14 or 15 Ember in one turn, and that was using Brobnar, which is something you don't hear every day. No, wow. you definitely don't. So yeah, I I, I had a I, I basically was going with the idea to save my better deck, and I I actually misread the decks and assumed my World's Collide deck was better, and it really wasn't. And my AOA deck was was far superior, and I kind of wish I had gone the other route. But I had a ton of fun, and it worked out really convenient for me because I had an event that night to get to, and I literally finished like at the perfect amount of time to arrive perfectly on time for my event. So everything worked out great for me. And how was the Hanson concert? Oh, it was fantastic. A lot of great Christmas songs were sung. Uh, I was belting them along with everyone, with all the uh, the audience. It was it was a it was a good festive uh, event, I must say. If you're ever wondering about the the difference between me and Blake's taste in music, he was at a Hanson concert that night. I went to go see a Turkish goth band called She Passed Away. Um. <laughs> I was going with my fiance, okay, and, and hey, it's no, her no, love no. for Hanson. But I do, hunting. I do, I will say, I do like. There's, I don't mind listening to their music at all. Like their grown up Hanson is actually not what you think. And it's uh, it's it's not bad at all. I do enjoy listening. To hey, I, I I'm not fronting on Hanson at all. They had some jams back in the day, um, and cool to hear that they're still touring and performing. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Rick, I believe you have one of our favorite segments uh, to to take us through here. This one's called "Would You Rather." Why don't you hit us with it? Yeah. Okay. Now, assuming every other card in either deck is identical, would you rather exhume or arise, and why? All right, I'll, I'll kick this one off. I had to think about this one because it seems like it might be kind of obvious on the surface because the difference between Exhume and Arise is that Arise basically like brings everything back to your hand, but unless you're playing Dis, you can't play them out immediately, plus you get chains for it, whereas Exhume is you put that critical piece right back on the board. Um, I thought about it for a good long while, and as a person who's been punished by some absolutely terrifying Arise decks, you know the one, the person has five, six, seven disc creatures, including like dust imps and ember imps and uh, shulers in their discard. They hit the arise and suddenly you're facing off against a board of creatures that you already removed. That sucks. And I, it, on the surface, I think it makes it the better card. But I've gotten so much value out of Exhum because Exhum puts those critical pieces back on the board just when you need them and you get a pip of amber for it. Exhumerani, you're stealing, you're getting a pip of amber. Exhumaganger Chieftain, you're fighting with a creature off turn. Exhum anybody that has stuff associated with things like card draw, with uh, amber gain, a fuzzy gruin, a dust pixie, anything else like that, Exhum puts in the work. So... As much as I think Arise in certain decks will be an absolute backbreaker, I think Exhum is the one that ultimately I come down to. Blake? Well, I actually went the opposite road. I think that I would rather have Arise. And the reason being is that the tempo swing that is available with Arise is so great that it provides an advantage that is for the long game. Like, I agree that what Alex says is that you can get something that has an immediate impact, but I think it's a much more shorter-term game where the Arise can provide the long-term game. I mean, there's the classic combo of Gateway to Dis or Key to Dis and Arise where you get all your Dis creatures back and your opponent has an empty board, and there's so many creatures that have an instant effect when you play them or have a passive effect that is detrimental to your opponent. So there's that factor. And then there's also the fact that you can choose a non-dis house. And I think Untamed is probably the one that is the greatest killer of 
being able to burst your untamed cards again, like returning multiple hunting witches plus any other untamed card in your hand. And if you're holding a Chota or a key charge, you pretty much are able to forge a key next turn without question because there's nothing your opponent can do to stop that bar of punctuated equilibrium if they happen to be playing either Worlds Collider, AOA against this said deck. So I like Arise because I think it has the long-term play of really setting you up for success. And that's something that I don't mind sacrificing the present at times to really set up a long-term play and be patient for the win. What about you, Rick? I think that I would probably take a rise just because of my I like the big play so I would I would wait the turn but I would bring back a lot of creatures of one house and just play them out the next turn but I would of course go for what I had the most play effects of in my discard yeah I think that makes sense I, I also like um I like the fact that you could be like, oh, I'm actually on disc this turn, but I'm definitely going to be calling Logos next turn because, like, for example, because I have three Logos creatures in my, or three Logos cards in my hand currently, for example, or maybe Sanctum, like whatever house it is, I have three of. So by calling the rest back, I'm actually going to have that much more of a potent turn. And again, it's that tempo swing. I feel that Exhume provides a instant effect that does something that's utility where Arise is an actual tempo-swinging card, and that's mm-hmm. the difference, I feel. You know what? That's a, that's a good argument, and I like it. Two quick things. Did I ever tell you guys that I have a deck with four Arises in it? I think you might have mentioned it. Would you care to wager how many disc creatures that deck has in it? Not enough. Two. Two Ember Imps, which is not nothing, but uh, the, the only play that's worthwhile with those four Arises is bring back your Brobnar board and then use it to fight the following turn or uh, put it on the board. So it's a it's a two turns to really get the swing out of it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I think that if we were to uh, eventually erect a Hall of Fame for great Keyforge combos, Exum Ronnie would be in my my first ballot. Oh, yes. I think Exum Ronnie is an incredible combo with no defense, basically, aside from you can't play actions type cards. Interesting. That's, that's not my favorite Exum target. Really? Who do you like? So... My my super saucy deck, the triple routine job one that has two exhumes in it, it has Ronnie in it as well. And I find I more often than not will pull back an Igor or a ZYX researcher. And I oh. love the exhume ZYX researcher to get the top card of my discard back into my archives and get to reuse it. I find it has the same ability as almost having like a Ronnie because a lot of times I'll just recycle a routine job potentially if I set my turn up correctly. And there's, I just find that the utility, Ronnie is much more situational. So I agree when you can make it happen, it is, it feels so good. But I like the utility of a ZYX researcher or an Igor and getting to get through more of your deck. Great perspective and an interesting one at that. Uh, Speaking of interesting perspectives and stuff we've been thinking about a lot lately, we wanted to have a little chat about some cards that are from older sets that were brought back in Worlds Collide that are really good now. Now, some of these cards were always pretty good. Some of them were actually quite poor previously, but actually have a lot of utility in Worlds Collide. So we're just going to start things off. Blake, you wrote a whole article about this. Uh, What was the first thing that sort of twigged you to the fact that there were cards that suddenly had a new life in the new set? So I will put in the show notes a link to this article because not all the cards that are mentioned are are in this article and there's more in-depth to uh, what I wrote about it. So the card that actually caused me to have this discussion and think about this whole idea of cards getting new life in Worlds Collide is Cutthroat Research. 
So that was originally an Age of Ascension card, and you get a pip of Ember for playing this action, and it has a playability of steal to Ember if your opponent has eight or more. Now, I think we can all agree that in AOA, we basically never saw any life from this card. It was like so rare you got to pull off a cutthroat resource. Like it was like a true mm -hmm. feat of miraculous circumstances. But now we're seeing in Worlds Collide, there is so many things that create a increase in key cost that actually makes cutthroat research able to fire more frequently than it ever was before. Like I am actually excited to see this card, especially if it's in a deck with something like an Edai or you have some of the other artifacts that each house has that can potentially increase key cost. Um, I know there's the, uh, I think it's called Unlocked Key. It's the Logos one that makes keys cost uh, nine until someone forges. So there's all these things that that you can even have within Logos that increase the key cost. So I find that Cutthroat Research has been given new life as a result, and it's not just an Ember Pip anymore. You know what card I think has an amazing new life in Worlds Collide, specifically because of the way Worlds Collide plays and the problems that people have playing against good Worlds Collide decks? An almost useless artifact before this set, Flamethrower. It's a Brobnar artifact, you play it, and what it does is one damage with one splash to either side of the target. Um, not especially useful in AOA, because AOA was a set of mostly really big bodies. Like, Flamethrower is not doing anything for you if you're up against a Grump Buggy deck. It's not doing anything for you if you're going up against one of those big Sanctum boards. However, in a set with Ward as a mechanic, Flamethrower is awesome. Because what it does is it says, not only is that Ward gone, if there's a Ward next to it, it's gone. And if there's a Ward next to that, it's gone. Start your turn off, Brobnar turn off with a Flamethrower. Get those wards away. Start fighting with your creatures. Take out those big Saurian bodies if you can. Take out those smaller bodies like uh, your Star Alliance, Medic Ingrams, and stuff like that. It's fantastic, and I've gotten so much use out of it, whereas I probably pulled that card, you know, 25 times in the Age of Ascension and never thought, you know, twice about it. It was just, it was, it was a waste of time. It was a card that could have been something better in a deck, and now when I see it, I'm like, great, protection from warding. I like that. Yeah, that's that is a it does provide that utility that would otherwise be kind of, you know, so so, so to speak. I find it's actually a lot of artifacts that seem really good now. Another one that I've been thinking about a lot and that I've been getting a lot of use out of is Quantum Finger Trap. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Quantum Finger Trap is the one where it's a Logos artifact and its action is you can swap creatures on the battle line. Because Worlds Collide is so reliant on cards that have effects, not just like Taunt, um, but also like if you're next to certain Star Alliance creatures, you get, uh, or creatures that have Star Alliance upgrades, you get things like Hazardous, you get things like um, Elusive. Being able to move people in and out of range of those things just by using an artifact is so useful, and I've gotten so much out of it. Especially, too, when you're looking at things like um, a Saurian board where... Uh, Raider Gallum is being protected by a big Saurian body with Taunt, maybe even with a ward on it if it's Tricerian Legionary. Being able to use Quantum Finger Trap to take that Raider Gallum and put him way far away where he's unprotected and you can take him out that turn, maybe with one of your larger, more combat-oriented Logos creatures like we've seen a lot of in Worlds Collide, great utility. Yeah, and then, then you also have, like, um, there's two cards that come to mind that play really well with that is um, the first one I thought of was Thorium Plasmate. So you can set it up so that when you move the creature with Thorium Plasmate, you're for sure going to get the full value of four damage to it. And then you also have the things like the group think tanks where if it shares, um, if both its neighbors are of the same house, it deals 
damage or if one neighbor you can start moving it around so it actually gets the full value for that card um for me i found lately that i've been um really in seeing new life to selwyn the fence uh this card i feel like we we can all agree was like the most underwhelming thing you've ever seen like you you get so little value off of it but yet now selwyn the fence a three power creature that has a fight reap ability of move one ember from one of your cards to your pool so I mean, hello, Exalt exists now, so that basically makes this card, like, really, really valuable. It's gold. Yeah, you can just start moving stuff around and just get everything how you need it. I've always had a lot of affection for Selwyn because I had a Selwyn in the very first deck I ever pulled, and it came with old Bruno. So in my mind, she was always old Bruno's buddy. But uh, yeah, no, in this set, absolutely. Like, not only that, but, like, in Shadows, there's cards that capture now. So being able to, like, you know, capture with a Shadows card, take the Amber off, is so fantastic. And, you know, anything with uh, an artifact that, you know, provides you with things like Exalt or any kind of Saurian body that Exalts, it's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic and very, very useful to have. The other one that I really wanted to talk about was always a pretty good artifact, and it's an OG one. It's Anomaly Exploiter. Anomaly Exploiter is great because what it says is if a creature has damage on it, use Anomaly Exploiter to destroy them. Um, we've all played against those big, sticky Saurian boards now. And what makes those boards so big and sticky is the fact that the bodies are big and they have armor on top of it, not to mention a lot of options for warding. So what the Anomaly Exploiter allows is that all you have to do is get one damage onto a creature and then you can get it off the board. That, to me, has so much value in this set, um, especially, too, where Saurian is so dominant right now, and one of the reasons they're so dominant is the fact that those bodies can be so difficult to remove for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Anomaly Exploiter is like a catch-all solution to that. All you need is that one damage. You could run a two-power creature into something, and if you manage to get that one damage on it, Anomaly Exploiter can do the rest. It's been a total MVP with me in a lot of games. I've had a lot of success with it, too. It's been It's been very helpful to... Like perfect target Gargantodon, like something like that, which is really just you're just swinging into it over and over again. You can just get rid of it. I, I I love that idea. That's a that's definitely on the list too for sure. My next card that I have is um, Desanya, and it's not a common card, but I just feel that it has like it's always been good. But let's be honest, the the importance of archives now are so much greater and i feel like there is more archiving especially if you're going against logos and with edi 4x4 being at common and increasing your key cost for the number of archive cards desanya is like the perfect answer to that to not only get rid of that but also gain ember from it because desanya's playability is your opponent discards each of their archive cards you gain one ember for each card discarded this way like it's just so perfect for the way worlds collide uses the archives it's an Edai 4x4 killer. Yeah, basically yeah. the anti-Edai. I want to shout out Sack of Coins and Cooperative Hunting, even though Cooperative Hunting isn't in this set, because I feel like those are older cards that now have way more utility in terms of what they can be used for, in terms of putting damage on for Anomaly Exploiter to take advantage of, popping wards, spreading around that little bit of damage. It's not so much about the direct damage to take out a creature sometimes. A lot of the time in Worlds Collide, I find it's being able to spread around damage in such a way that you can put yourself in a position to take problem creatures off the board and uh, uh, restore a little balance to the board state. I find myself thinking about that an awful lot when I play these days. It's funny that you should be mentioning uh, about spreading damage because uh, my final card is none other than my 
my Keyforge spirit animal of piranha monkeys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's reprinted again, which is awesome. And I just feel that with things like ammonia clouds and poison wave not in the the mix of the actual world's collide set, that something that you can play and deal two damage to each other creature, it is, I think, the only card that exists that's doing mass little bit of damage to to break wards across the field or take out some of those pesky two power creatures like for example um you just sometimes need to break wards and there's a lot of creatures that once they have two damage you can finish them off a lot more easily or break armor there's just all these things that exist that you can take advantage once the piranha monkeys uh put in work and it's reusable i guess that's the thing piranha monkeys you can hit it again so if they keep warding you got a creature that they need to take out before that's going to really stick Absolutely correct. And also uh, another factor in me having to completely reassess all the nasty things I said about Untamed in Worlds Collide, I've actually come to really enjoy them as a house. I don't think they're top tier in the way that Star Alliance, Dis, and the Saurians are. I don't even think they're necessarily at the level of Logos, but they are actually really good in the right kinds of combinations. As long as you aren't loaded down with too many uh, Duskwood Druids or anything like that, you can do a lot with a good suite. A lot of people think that Logos is the best house. There's, there's a very strong argument that Logos could be better than some of the, the Saurian or Star Alliance houses, house combinations. So, And I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm always tossing between those three. Is the, is the yeah. Saurian, Star Alliance, and, and Logos, and then Dis is in that mix as well. But I think I can't decide between those three sometimes which one I like more. I think I'm leaning towards Star Alliance as my favorite right now, though. It's all about Dis for me, baby. I just love that E on the fringes. I, I want that guy in every deck I ever pull. Now that I know how to play him better, I'm liking him a lot more. But I still love the, the logos and the dinos. All right. We're coming up on time for this week, but we could not end an episode without everybody's favorite segment. It's help, help from, future, from self. future self. Rick, you got one for us this week? Oh, do I ever. Oh, do I ever. From the... Uh, the field that we did on Saturday, I pulled an AO, a third AOA time traveler deck. And it's a spicy little number, except for one little thing in disc. It's got a pit lord. Well, let's 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 give the, the listeners the good. So this deck that Rick opened is an AOA deck with 21 printed ember. <laughs> so that alone is like super special about that deck. Yes. That is huge with that deck. So I can basically just play cards. Anyways, playing Pit Lord is very, very tricky, especially when you have very few cards left to draw in your in your library. I was playing against Blake with my AOA Time Traveler deck that I just got, and I played it at the wrong time when I had no way to get rid of it, and I lost the game due to that. Make very sure you have a way to get rid of Pit Lord if you play it late. Otherwise, it's an auto discard. Once again, Hysteria is your pal in the era of Worlds Collide. That's it. I believe all of us have a Keyforge game to get to, so we're going to wrap this episode up. Of course, you can always find us at patreon.com slash podcast. You can find us on Twitter under that same handle, podcast. I'm at Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible, on Twitter, on Instagram. Where can they find you, Rick? I'm on the Wheeling Keyforger at Twitter. And Rickster78 on The Crucible. And Blake? You can find me at BLVD Paper Fight on Instagram and Twitter. 
and uh, same name on the Crucible. I've also been doing on my Instagram a 24 days of Keyforge, doing an advent calendar alternating between Worlds Collide and Coda decks. So uh, if you're interested in seeing what I'm pulling, then uh, tune in each day to my uh, Instagram feed. Huge shout out to Scott Inglis, Rain City's new store champion at the game of Keyforge. Look forward to seeing that guy and playing against him again in future. Until then, this has been Help from Future Self. We'll see you again soon. And until then, stay fortunate.